0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally.
1: Hey guys, it's Josiah. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to share an exciting update with our Young Adults Today fan. Here's the thing. Everything we do with Young Adults Today, whether it's a podcast, books, resources, conference, content, is centered around the heart of Christ, and really three things. The first is building relationships that can last a lifetime. The second is creating resources that are useful. And the third is to create rallying points that are catalytic for leaders and ministries to reach the next generation as we make disciples. So we have a prayer and a goal to take everything we're doing to the next level, and that is is an invitation to you to join our Patreon. Patreon allows you and us to partner together for the kingdom of God and the heart of Christ to grow young adults today. You can find out more and jump on board by visiting patreon.com slash Today. Thanks so much, and here's for today's episode.
0: What's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing?
1: Loving life. life. We're grateful. We've been through a lot the past few weeks. We were just talking about it and it makes you realize how how much you have to be grateful for even more That we're grateful for.
0: Well, and Mondays are a great way to start off the week, right? It's the first day of the week. It's something some people dread, some people look forward to, and we want you to get up out of bed every Monday to have something to look forward to. And that is to know there will be a new episode launched early on Mondays for you, for your runners, for your drivers, for your ministry leaders, whoever is listening and tuning in to put your headphones on, put your earbuds in, and just be ready. And um, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for rating, for, for subscribing, reviewing, and just sharing what God is doing in and through the ministry, in and through this podcast. So this helps us reach more listeners. So if you have not subscribed and you want to please do and go to youngadults.today where you can find out more about anything we got going on, right?
1: I love it. You love let's it. Let's do it.
0: All right. Well, let's do it. We have an amazing guest with us today. And Josiah, would you like to just welcome them to the podcast for
1: sure? We're joined by another person. He's got a fantastic name, fantastic <laughs> hair, fantastic name, great smile. His name's Josiah Jones coming to us live. How are <laughs> you, my friend?
2: Doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me. All
1: right, Joy. Thanks for saying yes. And really, Josiah Jones is part of the team Mm -hmm. at Watermark Community Church, helping lead the way with The Porch, which is their young adult ministry at Watermark Church. And we have been to Watermark. We've Mm -hmm. been to The Porch and God is moving like, you know, few things I've actually ever seen on planet Earth. As far as young adult ministries, it's truly a movement that God's using to impact young professionals, young adults. And, mm-hmm. um, the older I get happens to be my birthday the day we're recording. And the older I get, there's two desires I have. I want to become a person mm-hmm. of depth and a person of substance. Mm-hmm. And in the time that we've spent with you, Josiah, I sense that from you. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to tap into that depth, tap into that substance. And that's our goal is to be lifelong learners to have conversations mm. about reaching the next generation in our world today. And you're doing it, my friend. Mm. And I'm excited to spend time together and for the listener to get to hear yes. some of your journey. And can you go there? You know, you're from Texas, but you're a Twins fan. So we're, we're on good terms. <laughs> and uh, yes, you can have that as well as just share some of the story with us. <laughs>
2: Well, before I get going, i will be remiss to not wish you happy birthday. Today's your birthday recording day?
1: Yes, sir.
0: It's the big 3 The big 3 Oh, so you're reached, out
2: of your 20s. Bro. He's reached
0: the, the peak of our definition of so young adults.
1: My last year of uh, my young own adults. definition <laughs> of being a young adult. And so now it's Dude, time that. to
0: step it up. It's
1: time to <laughs> step it up.
2: Well, bro, happy birthday. As you get out of your 20s and start your 30s, I'm trying to hang on to my 30s. <laughs> Uh, as I'm 38. So uh, yeah, I just blew it for everybody. I just aged myself and yeah. But hopefully there's some 38 year olds and older young adults jumping on with us uh, today. Well, yeah, man, my story uh, starts in Dallas, Fort Worth. That's, uh, I grew up on the Fort Worth side. So you think about, they call it uh, DFW. So you got Dallas, which is like uh, bougie shopping. People come here for North Park Mall all over the world to come shop in Dallas. And then you have Arlington, which is really where the Dallas Cowboys play. They don't even play in Dallas, which is bizarre. But then you have Fort Worth, which they call it Cowtown. So really, seriously, the wild, wild west, they still have a cattle drive that runs through Fort Worth. But that's where I'm from. I'm from Fort Worth. And so grew up there and really, man, didn't didn't come to know Jesus. So I was a junior in college. So in my early 20s, uh, was living a, a, a life for the world, played college baseball, was partying, drinking, one, one, one relationship after another. I was a porn addict for almost a decade of my life, just thinking that I had everything, not realizing I didn't have anything. Um, and so I was getting off the bus my junior year in college, seriously asking myself the question, is that it? I r- really liken it to Tom Brady. He did an interview uh, a few years back with 60 Minutes. And, he, and that was after three Super Bowls. I think he has seven now. And he says, gosh, there's got to be something more. And that was me. I was saying, man, there's got to be something more because for so long I pursued all these things thinking that they're going to find life. And it just left me empty, unsatisfied, unfulfilled. The Proverbs 14, 12, to be specific, says there's a way that seems right to man, but that way ends in death. And I was experiencing um, just these many deaths along the way. And I went home that night after getting off the bus from playing a three game series. And I asked myself, is that it? My roommates, also my teammates were getting ready to go out and uh, they were gonna go party. And I said, I'm taking this one off. And I looked at myself in the mirror. Seriously, I can remember like it's yesterday. I I went to the bathroom mirror, bent over, and I just said, how have I allowed my life to get here? And uh, I cried out to God that night. I said, God, if you're real, which I think you are, Uh, would you, would you reveal yourself to me? And that night um, I finally saw my sin for what it was in light of a holy God. And I know that sounds pretty churchy, but let me break that down for a second. Uh, For so long, I would compare my life to everyone else, which when you do that, you can always find someone worse than you. Even when you compare your life to people in the church, which I did, Uh, you could always find someone worse than you, which gives you security in the fact that you're not that bad. And when I finally stopped comparing my life to everyone else, even people in the church, I saw my sin, not other people's sin. I saw, I saw the, the havoc and the death that I was uh, creating for myself. And um, man, the, the cross, what Jesus did for me on the cross, I heard of that. I, I would say I was an intellectual believer for 21 years of my life. But that night I became uh, a believer from the heart, not just this intellect of yeah, I believe in God. Mm-hmm. And uh, Romans 10, nine, 10 says, if you confess with your mouth mm-hmm. and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so there's something to that. Like, it's not just, you know, this belief from the intellectual, it's a belief from the heart. And that mm-hmm. night I uh, saw my sin in light of this holy, perfect God. And I realized, oh, he died for me. Not just the really, really bad sinners, but, but even me. And uh, the sin that I kind of uh, would try to clean up and n- make it think that it w- wasn't that bad and the manage, I'm, I was great at sin managing and finally was broken. My mouth was stopped of all justification. And that night, man, I cried out to God and I just said, God, will you forgive me? And uh, would you, um, man, would you, would you change my life from the inside out? I mean, I didn't even know that terminology until later on, but that's what in, 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 in a sense I was saying. And so I was I was struck to the heart, and I always said uh, I always say this that the, the cross that I wore around my neck back then was not just some decoration that baseball players usually wear, right? Um, but now it became a declaration that my sin has been paid for, and I'm I'm a I'm a son of of the Most High. I'm yeah. a child of God, right? And so that's that's how my journey, my faith journey started, where um, I, I just saw the beauty of of Jesus and my three bedroom apartment, um, playing baseball, chasing the world, chasing the bottle, chasing the party. And, um, that night, man, I, uh, I cried out to God and he saved me and something changed. It's not like I woke up the next day and everything was just better. And I never struggled with sin again, but after I did fall into sin, conviction came over me. And, uh, I always say there's a difference between conviction and guilt. Guilt is something you can live with guilt. Even the atheist or the agnostic has guilt because they have what the Bible calls a conscience. But guilt is something you can live with. You just kind of shove it underneath the rug and keep going. I, I had a lot of guilt in the past, but conviction it comes from the Holy Spirit.
3: Right. And after
2: you sin, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't just let you stay in that sin. He causes you to fight against it, to team up with other believers, to start reading God's word, to renew your mind, uh, to just walk with. Uh, mentors and people that are going to disciple you. And that's what, that's what happened, man. I found the mo- godliest person I knew on my college campus and he began to disciple me mm-hmm. and my life started to change slowly, but surely. Wow. I
0: think that's so good. Josiah, I'm just reminded of even my story in my early twenties and claiming that I knew God was walking with him. I had God experiences and mm-hmm. maybe just grew up in a home where I wasn't necessarily taught. Like how do my parents walk alongside me in my faith journey to teach, to equip you know, all those different things, ages, like, you know, zero to 18. I remember being in my early twenties and I fell into that same trap that you talked about as a comparison trap. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so how come mm-hmm. they can get away with X, Y, and Z. And then I would try to justify my behavior. And I remember God convicted me. He didn't, and didn't have to convince me because the conviction was so strong. And it was very much, less like, Micah, they're not claiming to know Christ. Like you are claiming to know Christ. Mm-hmm. You know better. They have no idea what their sin is doing to them because they're apart from me. And I think sometimes we forget that there are many young adults attending churches. There's many young adults, you know, sitting in classrooms, sitting, you know, in our church services, sitting in our young adult ministry who are wrestling with the same exact thing. Maybe I've experienced maybe parts of um, Josiah's story, either Josiah's stories can resonate with the listener today. And just to be mindful that sometimes looks aren't always what they seem right. We can Mm -hmm. have the cross necklace. We can talk the talk, but are we truly walking the walk? And I think with that, like you said, there's the renewing of the mind each and every single day. And that's one of our biggest prayers for this generation is that we are, we as leaders are transformed each and every single day by the renewing of our mind so that we can fully understand God's good, perfect, and pleasing. will. but that's also for the next generations. We pray that over our children, we desire that for our children. Mm -hmm. And, we know that Josiah and I believe that young adult ministry is important and we need to touch and reach that generation, but I'd challenge um, just you, Josiah, of just expounding upon right off the bat. Why do you believe young adult ministry is so important?
2: I'll say this. Uh, I think, I think it might resonate because it resonates with me. If you want, um, if you want your church to have a future, then you must be actively reaching the future. And that future is young adults.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: if you want your church to have a future, if you don't want your church just to die out and, uh, and, and just be that dead church that isn't reaching the next generation, then you must be actively reaching the future. And that future is young adults. And so, man, I'm passionate about this generation because there will be no church unless we reach it. And then I think also, you know, I said before, I mean, God, God arrested my heart. He grabbed a hold of me in my early 20s. And so it just makes sense. Even when I uh, surrendered to be a, a, a student pastor, I told my pastor, I said, hey, this is this is probably going to be a short track. I, w- I just want to let you know right now, I want to set a line expectations because of what God did in the rest of my heart, my junior year in college, I think it's going to I think he's going to call me to go after college students and and young adult age uh, men and women. And so yeah, he did. And and so I did student ministry for about five, five and a half years and then went up to Kansas City and started young adult ministry before coming to Dallas and working with the porch. And so that's what I would say. It's like, man, this is I'm passionate about because that's where God captured my heart. And then I think I see this in churches all across the nation that historically the church has done a really good job of of reaching uh, the kids of our generation. Um, We've had good kids ministries, good student ministries, good married ministries, even senior adult ministries.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, But you have this demographic of young people who haven't been reached. And I mean, honestly, man, let me give some grace to the church. When I say the church, the big C church, uh, for so long, young adults weren't waiting as long as they're waiting to get married. And so there wasn't really a need for young adult ministries. Single ministries, what they used to be called, right? But we don't call them single ministries anymore because single ministries, <laughs> that word "single" carries a lot of negative connotations. It's true. And so, who wants to walk into a singles ministry, right? Um, if you're single and 25, <laughs> 28, 31 years old? Uh, that was funny because when I took over uh, in Kansas City, that's what they were calling their ministry. I said, "Hey, we got to we got to do away with that altogether. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's just not how ha- that's not helping us reach." Uh, this demographic of young people who are 28, 29, still single.
3: Right. And
2: so it's a first generational ministry. And so we, we're, we're experiencing um, we're kind of in this experiment mode, like what, what works, what doesn't. And, and also, man, just give the church some grace. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's a, it's one of the hardest demographics yeah. of people across the world to reach. And so I think that's, I, I, I love challenges. I've always loved challenges. I guess it's the competitiveness in me, just being an athlete. So yeah, that's, that, that's how I'd answer that question. It's like, why do I believe? Why do I want to reach this generation? Those are the things that come to mind.
1: That's powerful because when you think about it, like we, we got married and then shortly after we had been married a couple of years and we bought a house. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as we moved into our house, I learned some new words about mortgages. I learned what an escrow was, (laughs) but it was like a 30 year plan. And um, what's crazy about it is that our lives like Jesus was hidden in obscurity and anonymity for 30 years, kind of that formative Mm -hmm. season of life for all of us. Mm. And I think that if you want to live in your house beyond the 30 years to your Mm -hmm. point about future, you're going to pay your monthly payment, maybe even aggressively, mm-hmm. maybe even got a couple hundred bucks this month to throw at it, to throw at principal, but you're going to pay it off for 30 years. And what I see that mm-hmm. the temptation, yeah. of the challenges is to look for shortcuts or to, and, and the reality is like young adults, the future, we need to invest in the future. And, and then, so you don't pay a mortgage for 18 years and then expect to have a future there. It's called <laughs> bankruptcy. That's right. And so I think that that's just where my mind went with, you know, this is clearly something that we're passionate about is seeing 18 to 30 year olds thrive in their faith Mm -hmm. to see them Mm -hmm. come alive. And, um, you've had experiences on a college campus yourself where your soul is lit on fire. You are awakened to the reality of the gospel and forever changed. You've then pioneered some young adult ministry in Kansas city Mm -hmm. Um, your buddy, Chad Glover. Yeah, um, I saw
2: y'all had him on. That not awesome. too
1: long ago. And I love uh, that here am And then, but now you're at the porch. So you've been in a few different college and young adult ministry settings. And so I'd just be curious, what are you seeing on the front lines mm-hmm. of leadership within the next generation of 18 to 30 year olds when it comes to their faith in Christ? Maybe it's the challenges they're facing. Maybe it's just observations that you're having.
3: Right.
2: Yeah, man, I I think one of the things that come to mind the most, and I think we've heard this before, but let me reiterate it and we can just discuss it, but young adults desire authenticity and realness like I've never seen before. Uh, They're tired of fake, they're tired of phony, they're tired of cheap Christianity that doesn't really call them to anything. Um, And let me just talk about the first two characteristics, if you will, like this idea of authenticity, um, this idea of transparency. Um, people in the church are dropping like flies because there's a lack of integrity. There's a lack of character yeah. that um, follows the calling, if you will, um, or it should precede the calling, right? It should mm-hmm. come before that. Um, and then, you know, just even with the the rise of uh, Hollywood Christianity, just kind of this
3: sure.
2: uh, star mentality that we've seen mm-hmm. um, kind of the uptick over the last decade I think it's really hard for a lot of pastors, and uh, I'm I, I, uh, I'm I'm broken for the pressure that they that they have, and so I think we have to do the best job we can because the generation wants wants us to be real, wants the authenticity. Uh, to just lead with a limp, as we as we say around here a lot at Watermark and the Porch, people will be impressed with what you know, but they'll connect with you because of your weaknesses. And see, this is a, this is a Bible principle. This isn't some, that's not just some cool articulate way uh, of 140 characters less Twitter uh, statement, right? No, this, this comes straight from second Corinthians 12 where the apostle Paul, the greatest missionary, I would say um, apart from Jesus would uh, he says it, he says it clearly. He says, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses because when I'm weak, key strong. Like, who even says that? Like, who's <laughs> going to say, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses? Usually it's the opposite. I'm going to keep those at bay. I'm going to keep toes silent. I'm going to suppress my weaknesses. I'm just going to always put my best foot forward. I'm going to have my Instagram reels. You know, no one's, mm-hmm. you know, getting a flat tire and posting on it. Maybe some people, who knows, but usually it's your best life now on Instagram. And so it convolutes people into thinking that even pastors, have it all together. Even pastor, man. If I if I'm a Christian, then everything just works out. It's like, no, it doesn't. And uh, and then they find out that they've fallen into you know some type of immorality or embezzlement or whatever the case may be. And so I think for us, um, if we're gonna lead with a limp, then we we can't just do that publicly. We gotta do that privately with community, mm-hmm. with people we trust, with people we love. I, I I say this a lot to our young adults, but you'll never be fully loved until you're fully known.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You'll never be fully loved until you're fully known. And so if you're not living a life where you're fully known in thought, in word, and action, to the best of your ability, right, when, as the Holy Spirit brings things about. Because I don't just think we should confess sin on an action level. I think we should confess it on a thought level if we're really going to make war with our sin. And so um, I want to be known in those three areas. Um, I want to be, be able to uh, share wherever I've been that week with my community, with the guys that I trust. And then what happens, depending on how they respond, which I, by faith, remove the mask, because we're all wearing them, right? Uh, remove the mask uh, of what we're trying to cover up, that sin, just like Adam and Eve <laughs> did it in the garden, right? It's nothing new. But by faith, I remove the mask and I give them an opportunity to receive that really, uh, you know, that transparent, that, uh transparent. Uh, information that I'm entrusting them with, then they get to, by faith, uh, extend grace, mercy, and practice Romans 8, one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so they get to know me more. And then I'm in return that I get to experience a love that I've never really experienced before, because I don't think I've ever experienced that type of love uh, before Christ. Cause before Christ, I was just trying to put my best foot forward. And so you'll never be fully loved until you're fully known, because if you never, if you're not fully known, then you're just, you're just, uh, putting, um, you're, 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 you're putting your front foot forward and it's some false version of yourself because yeah. you're not being, you're not being the real you. And so I know I'm digressing there for a second, but let me go back to my point. Young adults need authenticity and they don't just need you to confess sin, uh, that you did 10 years ago when I came to Christ, right? They need you to confess sin 10 days ago, share sin that you, you've committed 10 minutes ago, even. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think that is going to allow the guards to come down as you're talking with them. I mean, every leader that serves here at the porch, uh, they, they learn how to share their testimony in three minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And, and not just like, Hey, my, my testimony, that makes me look good. Right. But, the 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 bad of my testimony not to glorify sin and then make much of sin no i i i show you my wound so i can show you my savior Mm -hmm. you know that that's that's the point so uh, that's what i would say that's what i'm seeing uh is a real need in this generation when it comes to leading and and uh and just uh teaching and and showing them what it looks like to follow christ
1: I completely resonate with this, Josiah. And I feel Mm -hmm. like if you were to read my journal the past few
3: weeks,
1: (laughs) what God's been teaching me real time, I've seen it modeled by the way, by you, JP, Mm -hmm. David, the other crew that's been anyone I've been around that's been around Mm -hmm. the porch for any length of time, they lead the way in vulnerability and transparency. And I think I'm embarrassed to say this, but (laughs) I've thought a lot of my life that People look to me to have it all together mm-hmm. or they look to me um, and maybe do relate with mm-hmm. my successes. And what I've found is I was dead wrong. I was <laughs> dead wrong. And it's humbling to admit that. And to just recognize that, you know what, it mm-hmm. is the scars that people connect with. And then, and then they're willing to open up as we lead the way opening up. I think, Right. I think I heard it said, like, it's giving them the opportunity or the gift of sharing second because you led the way and one of the other areas that I've gleaned a lot of wisdom from you and the porch team is empowering people like Mm -hmm. giving away ministry Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. the way you guys often say it is we do ministry not to people but through people
3: Right. right
1: can you talk about this for a second like truly empowering volunteers and teams
2: yeah great question so it goes back to what I was sharing just a minute ago that young adults want to be called to more, they don't want some cheap version of Christianity that just calls them to salvation and never calls them to walk out the mission of Christ, um, and, and, and the sanctification that Christ is calling us to after He calls us to salvation. And so, Ephesians 4 uh, 11 and 12, let me just read it. He says, He called, He gave some the apostles. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why? Verse 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, for building up the church. Right. And so that's, that's where it comes from. And it's this idea that young adults just don't want to come in and sing some songs, listen to a message, and then just leave. I mean, that might be cool for the first six months after someone comes to Christ. And it's still cool now. Even Mm I have been a Christian for, you know, 12 years almost. And so, but but not at the expense of me not being wrung out for the glory of God, not not at the expense for me not pouring myself out and and giving my life away, um, so that other people can come to know Jesus. And so they don't want to just don't just call them to sing some songs, listen to a message and leave. Call them to be God's men, God's women. And then call him to jump into the mission. I mean, did have y'all ever watched The Chosen? I'm I'm sure you have. i have not. The, we the, haven't you you yet. Ever watched The Chosen. Oh my goodness! Hey, you guys have to the watch The Chosen.
0: We will. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Okay. The Chosen.
2: It is it is unbelievable. Like it, it is the best descrip this depiction, this, this I should say, of of Jesus in uh, movies and just, I mean, it's just really, really well done where there's a scene where Jesus is on the banks of, uh, you know, sea of Galilee, I think it is. And he's, uh, he's talking to Peter and he's like, Peter, drop your nets, um, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it's just this incredible, um, charge that Jesus has for Peter, like he's out fishing, all day and can't catch anything. And then he comes in and then Jesus calls them to go back out and and cast their nets and you know, the the boats overflowing with fish. But then after that, after he gives them the physical feel, he's like, Peter, that's not going to last, bro. Like, great, man. You got your physical feel. You you can go sell the fish. You got fish to feed your family, all these other things. The physical is there. Great. But Hey, let me give you something greater than the physical. Let me give you the spiritual. And he says, he says, Hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so we are trying to give ministry away so that, uh, young adults can walk in their purpose. And listen, we're not, we're not saying that everybody needs to be in full-time ministry. No, that's not, that's not what I'm, what I'm getting at. You, you have a passion. Maybe your passion is banking. Maybe it's, uh, teaching, maybe it's, uh, social media influencer, maybe it's a, a, a firefighter, who knows, maybe it's the financial world, a lot of different passions. But you tell your passions it's purpose, and you'll never go uh, a day without walking out mm-hmm. your purpose. If your purpose is to know God and make him known, which that's a whole other message for another day, you tell your passion that purpose, and you're not going to get to be 70. And, and as you're climbing up the ladder of your life, if your life is a ladder, I like to say a lot, and every wrong or every step is a decade of your life. You're not gonna get up to the top of your ladder and look down and be like, man, I wasted my life. Even as a banker, even as a barista. No, if you, made, if you knew Christ and you made him known in those areas of your passion, then you're gonna look down and you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I did it. I lived for something bigger than myself. And so what happens is we call people to that and I can get into this a little bit later. We call people that, but we never train them. We never, we never equip them. We just think that, oh man, they came to Christ and they've, they've sat in message after message on Sundays and our, our young adult gatherings on Tuesday, or they, you know, we're in Bible study or they're in community group and, and they still don't know how to share their faith biblically and effectively.
3: Mm-hmm. They
2: still don't know how to share their testimony. They still don't know how to, how to have spiritual conversations. And so that's what it means to uh, I would say, equip the saints for the work of the ministry and empower them right. to see that, hey, it's not just about what happens on the stage. That ministry off the stage is just as important, if not more important, than ministry on the stage. Mm-hmm. And so you might not be able to teach like David. You might not be able to teach like JP. Um, maybe not everyone knows those names. David Marvin, Jonathan Pacluta, uh, or JD Rogers, right? You might not be able to teach like those men. But it doesn't matter because God can still use you and we're going to show you, we're going to teach you how to be a pastor to your peers and you're going to come alive for the first time ever um, once you're equipped. So that's what I would say.
0: That's good. I think that's so good even to recognize the fact that as leaders, we need to be able to identify those people in the group, that who are we empowering? Who are we truly handing leadership over to? And how do we create those opportunities for individuals while they are discovering what their gift sets are? Mm -hmm. I think so many times I was 25 and I didn't realize like the gift of the prophetic was something that I've had my entire life, but really never knew what it was until I got plugged in to the church. And I was like, oh, so that makes so much more sense.
1: <laughs> Not everybody
0: <laughs> thinks or sees or identifies things like I do um and just or no one has the same skill set as I do. Why am I, you know, really passionate about this over here and some people think that doesn't make sense, you know, to go to school for business and become a personal trainer and do ministry like that doesn't make sense, and I'm like, well, yeah, it does. I'm touching on the spiritual side of things, the physical side side of things, and you know, the business practicalities of how to do that and see people be successful. You know, so right. I think the church can step up their game and i think we as leaders can step up our game to create those opportunities for people and many of our listeners are starting out in a young adult ministry um, whether maybe they're volunteering maybe they're starting something from ground zero maybe they have they have or want to present something to the lead pastor to cast some vision about the need of a young adult ministry and they're kind of spinning their wheels wondering how do I start this? Where do I go from here? So I would just love to hear your insight and what you would tell maybe um, the lead pastor, maybe the church board, a church member or a young leader who desires to launch some form of young adult ministry and start something new from scratch. What insight do you have for any one of those groups of people, I guess, more or less?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I would say this, and I'm assuming that this is true in the church, that from the top like from the very top, they have a hundred percent buy-in like the elders or the executive team, however your churches ran and, and, um, the organization of it that they need buy-in from the top lead pastor. You got to be all in, you have to be all, executive pastor. You got to be a hundred percent all in on this. Like you can't just, this can't just be a side project. This has to be a major initiative. This has got to be one of the top priorities in your church. Mm. And, uh, and then from there, you're just like anything that you're trying to launch and I can share what one of my Epic fails. I will here in a minute. Cause I, I think it's, it's appropriate, but um, before you launch, please don't get caught up in um, just, you know, coming up with the coolest environment, you know, having the lights, having the smoke, nothing wrong with those things. That's, that's great. Aesthetically, you know, those, those things are amazing. It hopefully minimizes distractions and, or, however you would view that, which I think it does for this generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It caused them to focus in, but don't get so caught up in that, those things. If you haven't um, identified and started to equip, and then you deploy after you equip a team of young adults, you deploy them to go and do the work of the ministry. And so what I mean by that is if you're not hearing stories of how they're engaging the waiter and the waitress, then you probably haven't um, equipped them well. Or even just maybe start within the four walls of the church. Cause I said, hey, if, you, if you're not looking for opportunities to share uh, the gospel and have spiritual conversation on mm-hmm. Sunday mornings, cause not everybody that comes to church, Newsflash, is a Christian. Right. So um, get them to get their reps within the four walls of the church, which will, which will be a lot easier. If you're not hearing stories of, of, of your launch team doing those things, uh, then it, it's probably not, not, you're probably not ready to launch. Um, or just engaging with the waiter, the waitress, the person in the cubicle, uh, the neighborhoods, the apartment complexes. I mean, this is, this is how, we, we don't let any, we don't let any young adults serve at the porch until they go through a 10 week training called roundabout. And so I would say, hey, make sure you have a training where you're um, equipping them to do these things that we're talking about. And then uh, hold them accountable because it's not information that equals transformation, it's information plus application. That equals transformation. And so what we do at the porch is like before the service, we're going to put them in about 30, 45 minutes of training, not a three hour training and expect them to remember everything. Right. But we're going to give them a little bit every week. And then from six to about 640, 645 is training, maybe a little less than that at at times, some weeks. And then um, right after that, they go apply it uh, before the porch and then after the porch. And then at 930 porch gets over about 830. So they've got about hour to serve 930 to 10 they go back into that, that room where they were trained up before the porch. And they said, all right, what did God do? You know, can you imagine Jesus sends the disciples out two by two, which we sent them out two by two and they go back to the shores of Galilee. They got the fire and they got, he got some bread. And he got some fresh fish they he just caught. He says, all right, boys, let's let's break bread. Tell me the stories of God's faithfulness today. Right. Right. Tell me the stories of God's faithfulness today. And so and then he's like, all right, get some, get some rest, get some physical rest. Cause we're about to go do this again tomorrow. And then we're going to come back to the, the to the uh, shores of Galilee and we're going to share wins. We're going to talk about what God did in our midst. And so that's what I would say.
1: I love it. What a powerful. Focus st- on that. Yeah. What a powerful statement that it's not information that leads to transformation, but it's information plus application leads yeah. to the transformation. I love how you practically just laid it out like 10 weeks. Hey, the next 10 weeks you want to serve, you're right. going to get to practice this, but right. this is a lab we're going to learn together. We're going to train. And I think that <clears throat> I remember when I started out in ministry being 21, 22, and just excited. And if somebody asked to volunteer, they were on the team and there was very little, low expectation. I know. And then, You know what I mean, and so I think that that will. I was there, yeah. Right, I think that that's that's also not the worst thing because I learned, I grew, we (laughs) learned together. True, we all got to start somewhere, but I think that we paid the
2: the dummy tax, bro. We paid the dummy tax. The school of the hard knocks. So, Uh, well,
1: yeah, I just pray and hope that somebody will think through like what is our training process, what is our onboarding process, how do we, how do we teach, and not just preach like, Hey, volunteer, right. but okay. We're going to do a training for the volunteers. And I noticed this too. A lot of people, a lot of people in the past couple of years have, um, or even the past year really have taken over an existing young adult ministry, Josiah. Mm-hmm. And so they, they maybe their church went through a leadership transition or reshuffled some things. And now they're a young leader leading in a new setting, Mm-hmm. And um, the reason I ask you this is you've worked in Kansas City, you lead the por- at the porch, but also you work with other porch live locations. There's a number of mm-hmm. those. But what do you, what would insight would maybe you have on strengthening leadership in young adult ministry?
2: Yeah, let me let me add to what I was saying before because I think this can give it another handle or two. Mm-hmm. Um, strengthening leadership in young adult ministry comes down to not, not just giving them a message to sit and listen and then hope that they do something with it. Okay. Uh, I'll say something that I say often around here. Many of us need to know less and do more instead of knowing more and doing less. We <laughs> yeah. have more truth. We have more truth than what we can obey.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean,
2: seriously. Like if they're going on Sunday morning, they're coming on Tuesday night. Maybe they're in a Bible study. They listen to a podcast or two a week. I mean, I know that's for me, like I'm preaching to myself now, like I got more truth than what I can obey. So um, I think, you know, call young adults to do something with their faith. Remind them that it's, hey, your, your salvation isn't predicated on what you do. It's, that, that's predicated on what Christ has done. So we don't, we're not saved. We, uh, we don't work for our salvation, but we do work from our salvation. Now that you are saved, Let's get after it. Let's get, let's get on with the mission that Jesus called us to, to go make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28. And so I would just say, focus your time and attention, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: not on trying to make the coolest environment, but focus your time and attention on multiplying yourself. Because if, if I can, if I, let's say we have 200 leaders that serve at the porch now. And if I can, um, spend time with the, the 12 that lead the six teams of the 200. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can invest deeply into those 12. They can invest deeply into their, you know, eight that they're pouring into who's each of those pouring into probably 10 on their team. Cause we have team leads who I pour into sub team leads who they pour into sub team leads who pour into leaders. And each we have six teams, um, that make up the porch, uh, Tuesday night. If if I can get if I can get myself to be multiplied if I can multiply myself uh, to do those things that I constantly um, remind myself to do every day, then man, you're 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 going to see your ministry uh, uh, you're going to see your ministry take over the city uh, because you you didn't you, you you multiplied yourself you didn't just try to add people there's a difference between addition and multiplication now, I'm trying to multiply myself instead of just adding. Uh, more people to the Tuesday night environment. I want, I want, I don't want them to come just because of of speaker head, right? The mark of leadership is not just um, that they come and listen to one person. The mark of leadership is that they're following hundreds of different people that are serving within that ministry or, you know, starting out to 20 that I started with when I was in Kansas city, that they're not just following Josiah, but they're following these other leaders that I've hopefully invested in. So that's what I would say.
0: That's so good, Josiah. And I'm reminded of, for somebody who's spoken into my life. So if you're listening in your ministry, maybe you don't even have 200 people, let alone 200 volunteers right. like the porch. Right. Just want to encourage you, like whether it's 20 people in your home or right. 2,000 people in the stands and you're on a stage, steward the 20 like you would the 2,000. And I mm-hmm. think God God's going to bless that. and He's going to see that. And that was just a challenge somebody gave to me when I was like, I know guy's called me to ministry and these called me to leadership, but I'm like, I have a Bible study. And there's like 20 or 30 women. And my mentor looks at me, and she goes, then you treat that 20 and 30 women, like they're your church and you Amen. treat them like they are 20 and 30,000 or 2000 and 3000. And when you do that, your, your mind, your mindset changes, your heart changes, and you're not discouraged by what you don't have. You look at who God's placed before you. And I think so many times we chase leadership or we chase leaders or who we think could be leaders within our ministries when they have maybe, they have no true characteristics of leadership marked on them because they haven't been discipled. But when the discipleship, process starts and they start coming alongside you and do life and they see how you you know hear from the voice of God or how you read the word or how you pray and how you devote yourself Um, it just it changes the culture so we as leaders can set the tone in so many different ways but I think God has to lovingly correct sometimes our mindset when we get stuck in the the numbers trap or the lack of leaders like where are all the good leaders or Wow, maybe I should say am I developing any leaders, you
3: know? so <laughs> And yes, if I turn around, who's behind fire. me?
2: <laughs> That's so good. That's oh. so good. I I think um, man, discipleship is is a word that is being thrown a, thrown around a lot right now in the church because I think we we've all uh, struggled at trying to like corner the market on what is discipleship. Right. And I was reading the other day in 1 Thessalonians 2:8 I r- I run back to this all the time. But uh, it says that they not only love them so much, uh, that they shared the gospel with them, but they shared their very own life. Mm-hmm. So discipleship isn't just the transfer of knowledge from one person to another. Right. It's the transfer of life from one person to another. My most fondest moments of discipleship that I've had with other men wasn't just sitting at a coffee shop in a con- in a temperature controlled environment in a comfortable chair with my favorite coffee, with my Bible open, it's, it's in the trenches with them while they're doing ministry or they're at their house Mm -hmm. and the kids are going crazy. (laughs) And, um, you know, maybe they have a little tiff with their, with their spouse. And he, he invited me into those, uh, those spaces and I got to see how he responded well. And then there was times I got to see how he didn't respond so well. And I'm telling you, I grew so much from watching because discipleship isn't just taught, it's caught. You heard that before.
0: Right. And there's somebody in our life, um, Jeff Grinnell, his wife would always say he's the same person you see on stage as you Mm. see at home, as you see in the classroom. Like, and let it be said of us that we are leaders that you, what you see is what you get and who I am here on this podcast is who I am in the grocery store. It's who I am in parenting. It's who I am at a restaurant. It's who I am, you know, and, and who we are should be more like Christ each and every single day. Michael, you
2: just nailed it. That's the greatest <laughs> influence that you can have in this generation by doing just that.
0: Right.
3: Wow.
2: That that's that will be your greatest influence. Everybody thinks it's some hidden gem that we got to uncover. No, it's it's what you just said. So I, I way to go. I love that.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good challenge for everybody listening. Amen. But um, Josiah, I have to ask, are you ready for our challenge? And it's kind of like a home run derby. Are you ready for a home run derby <laughs> in the podcast world?
2: uh bring it let's go bring it
0: okay so our our final thought so it's five and five we have five questions in less than five minutes Ooh. Ooh, you look like you're <laughs> sweating a bit but things were in dark colors so question number one if you're ready for this if you could describe yourself in three words what would they be
2: sinner saved by grace no wait that's four words wait a minute <laughs> Maybe just saved by grace, but if you want something that's, that's churchy, that's, that's, uh, that's high language. Um, Let me, let me put it to you like this. I I really mean that when I say that though, I am, I am a broken sinner saved by grace. And uh, it's only by the grace of God. I am who I am and I still have a long ways to go. So if I haven't made that clear throughout this podcast, I I really do just want to stop and make that super clear. I'm still... Um, you know, being sanctified, the, the already and the not yet, right? Yep. It's like already I've experienced Jesus, his salvation, amazing. But then the not yet is that sanctification process. So, um, but I know that's not what you asked. You didn't ask for that much. So let me just, I'll, I'll share three words that describe passionate, I would say, um, friend. And uh, I, I, I would say by God's grace, all of them are by, by God's grace, uh, leader.
0: That's good. That's good.
1: And how in the world, everyone's wondering this because I am, how in the world did you become a Twins fan? I'm so excited about that.
2: (laughs) Dude, I should have said baseball, right? Um, Well, my dad uh, influenced me to become a Twins fan. So he grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They used to be the Milwaukee Braves. They moved to Atlanta, I believe in 1966. And so it left him without a major league baseball team to cheer for. The next closest team was, as you know it, the Minnesota Twins. And so he, he discipled me as a Twins fan, right? And the 1991 World Series yes. did it for me. Yes. They went to seven games with the Atlanta Braves. And uh, Kirby Puckett hit the iconic home run in game six. They were down three games to – no. Yeah, yeah, they're down three games to two. Kirby Puckett hits the home run, ties the series at three games apiece. Goes to Game Seven, and the rest is history. They win the World Series, and I've been a fan ever since. And so my my goal is to take my dad to a Twins game uh, before uh, he goes home to glory. So hopefully that'll that'll happen at some point. He's never oh, been.
1: Oh my word! That's wow. We gotta get him there. And that yes. that is um that's when I was born. In the 1991 World Series push of the Minnesota Twins. So awesome. I was eight.
2: I was eight, bro. Eight years old. Let's go. (laughs) Is that the number two? With my Homer hanky. Remember the Homer (laughs) hanky? The white Homer hanky. That's what they call them.
3: Yes.
0: Right here? Yeah. You got three? Yeah. Okay. He ate his question. All right. All right, Josiah. Here's the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what would it be? anything Ooh. ministry, non-ministry.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, you guys are so gifted and a lot of wisdom. So I want to ask you a ministry question and it's in the realm of discipleship. What's, what is the most effective discipleship? Uh, you can call it strategy or what have you seen to be the most effective way to disciple young adults? Let's just say it like that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen it modeled in a few places. Um, and it was my pastor at the church I grew up in. He was nearing retirement. He hired me on as the young adult pastor and he opened up his home and his backyard. And there was like 150 young adults that showed up. Mm
3: -hmm. They were hungry. Mm
1: -hmm. He fed them his own food. Um, they, they've like, since I'm not even on staff there anymore and I don't work for this guy. And every year I try to visit him in Arizona and stay with him. Right. Wow. That's, he did that for me, but he did that for 150 of the young adults. I was leading. Um, (laughs) I was just at a church in Minnesota this past weekend and every month, the lead pastors of this, it started as a church plant. It's a very well-established church now. And they host a, um, newcomers like lunch or dinner at their house. They've had like 3000 people in their house throughout and and you wonder why is their church growing why why are disciples why are life groups so dynamic at this church oh
0: they're bought in every month
1: like basically everyone who attends that church they've been in the pastor's home and so Mm -hmm. like we kind of say it this way i don't think that i'm your pastor unless we've been in each other's homes Right. Whether that's, I was in your home, you were in my home, but it kind of goes to what you said earlier of that mm-hmm. life transfer. But I think mm-hmm. there's something special about our table, about our home, and that may yard. it never be said of us that we'll give people directions anywhere except to our home.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Come on.
0: Okay, I'll take it that's a really different really good. way. I'll answer it a whole okay. different way. So here are my personal tactics that I share. So anytime I disciple or mentor young women, I always say the very first time I meet them, hear their story, um, they've asked me to speak into their lives. I always say two things. I say, number one, I'm like, I want you to know that number one, I'm not God, but I do serve I do, but I do serve God. Number two, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but I believe that I can be in tune and hear from the Holy Spirit. He's going to download things to both you and I. So that's something that I just set right off the table to remove me from any pedestal of perfection or you're the pastor or you're the pastor's wife or you're Micah, whatever. No, 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 I'm just Micah. You know, I just want them to remove them from whatever facade that they've placed on me or however they think of me and be like, I'm just a human. So I'm not God and I'm not the Holy spirit. And at the end of every meeting, I've asked them to pray for three things. That I want them to adopt for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, I, I want you to pray for three things. And here's what it is. I want you to pray for wisdom. Wisdom. God has challenged us. Ask for wisdom. Yeah. We, we can become wise. We don't have to be foolish. Number two, pray for knowledge. How do I apply the wisdom that God has downloaded through his word, through the use of people, through my prayer time, through a song of worship, whatever that is. So wisdom, knowledge, and I go then discernment. We need to be people to be able to discern the Holy spirit, discern when I need to keep my mouth shut, discern when I need to speak up, discern like good and bad and evil and my thoughts, God's thoughts, all those different things. So those are things I challenge the girls with. Are really good. Removing myself from any mantle or anything they've ever placed me on because I'm not perfect and I'm going to disappoint them. I'm going to fall short. We all do. And then wisdom, knowledge, and discernment are three things that I've personally prayed for and I've seen God do miraculous things. And I just want this generation to be wise beyond belief and you know, not settle for the lies of the world and to be able to apply that wisdom through the gift of knowledge, through also the discernment of the spirit. So so Those are it. more personal, I don't know, approaches, but <laughs> great
2: question. Now y'all are a, y'all are a dynamic couple. Oh, I <laughs> oh it. thank you. So, so cool. Y'all are a fire couple, um, man.
1: Wow. Well, back to you, Josiah. Uh, would you be maybe willing to go here of uh, sharing a story of maybe it didn't go so great. Maybe it was something you wish you could do over, or an epic failure in life <laughs> or leadership of ministry. But we ask because I think that's where we can also learn.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. It was January of 2014. It was when I just took the job up in Kansas City and I uh, failed to equip young adults to lead uh, beyond the task. So failing to equip young adults to lead beyond the task. And so what I mean by that is uh, I was kind of doing all the right things as far as Hey, do we have the building? Do we have, you know, just checking the box of like, do we have a band, a tech team, you know, invite cards? Like I was doing everything yeah. else, and I just, I just assumed, and I, it wasn't, it wasn't like intentionally, it was unintentional, but I assumed that, hey, um, who wants to lead? I was casting vision for the ministry. I was like, who wants to lead? Who wants to buy in? I was building a launch team, and I didn't do the things I was talking about today. I didn't equip them. Wow. I just assumed that hey, they were in, they've been in the church, they have a salvation story, you know, they uh, you know been serving in other parts of the the church, so hey, people can vouch for them, and which is all good things. but uh, I remember the, the first the first night we launched. um I went in, fired up the 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 thirty that said yes to serving, and I was really good at. Uh, you know, kind of having a pep rally, like, a, if you will, I mean, I was a coach before I got into ministry. And, you know, I, I was like, all right, let's go all hands in on the count of three paradigm on three. And so paradigm on three, here we go. And, uh, and so they, they scattered, went out to their posts. And I looked around, and we were having young adults coming in that night, it was our launch night. And I looked around, and I started seeing all of our leaders start talking, start talking to each other. Yep. Uh-huh. And they were doing their tasks and they were, they were passing out programs. They were, you know, greeting they were, you know, with a smile, they were, you know, ushering people to the seat, they were parking cars, things like that. But at the end of the day, um, that will not last. Like that's not a big enough vision to give young adults. Mm-hmm. Wow. They want more than just a task. So we stopped calling our, our uh, young adults who are serving volunteers because volunteers like that, it carries a negative connotation. When you hear the word volunteers, it's, it's, it's task associated. When you hear the word leader, it's person, it's people associated. You're you're not, you're not just pursuing a task anymore. Now you're pursuing a person. And so we just said, Hey, we're getting, you're getting volunteer out of the vocabulary and every one of you are, is a leader. And so we hit reset, but the Epic fail was not equipping them to share the gospel, have spiritual conversation, have a host mentality versus a guest mentality, and just really taking time to say, hey, here's who we are, here's who we're going to be, and I'm not just going to give you a pep rally saying, go get them. I'm going to systematically train you uh, in how to do the things that I'm going to hold you accountable to do. Um, And so we just said, hey, if you want to jump back into serving, uh, we would love that. But people are coming in with abortions. People are coming in wow. with full of anxiety. People are coming in with um, just mm-hmm.
3: drunkenness,
2: and pornography, all these different addictions. You know, there's just religiosities coming in this place, perfectionism. Right. And so if you want to learn how to intersect the life of those people, then let's go. We're right. going to teach you how to do this at 6 p.m. next week. So we just hit reset. And said, let's let's train you up because we want you to be a pastor to your peers. And we want you to see that this goes way beyond a task to pursue, but it's a person to pursue. And so that was our epic fail. And it changed the course of our ministry. Sure, yes, I mean, it really, really did. And uh, now it just wasn't one or two pastors leading the charge. It was, you know, we got up to, I think, 100, 100 uh, pastors, uh, leaders who said yes before I left to come down to, the, to Dallas. So really, really cool stuff.
0: That's amazing. And that's even going back to what you talked about prior to, and that was multiplying, multiplying yourself. And that is one tactic is being mindful of the verbiage that we're using, because we don't want our young adult ministries to be, you know, youth 2.0 or to be saturated with, you know, only one type of people or, I don't know, your parents that want to get involved. You have young adults that have testimonies, but Coming alongside those people like that is just awesome to be able to equip them, like we said before, and empower those teams. But last and final question, Josiah, if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today?
2: Well, I would say what I just said, but I would also say that Jesus, the GOAT, the greatest leader of all time, pursued people through serving.
1: Mm. Amen. Amen
2: pursued people through serving. Jesus came not to be served, Mm -hmm. but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And uh, I heard this from a friend of mine and he said this, let me just read it. He said, true leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. True leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. A true leader raises up other leaders. It's what we've been talking about for the last hour, right? The real test of a leader is what happens after they leave. That's good. And so, you know, the the biggest min, the biggest win, the biggest win, right, that I've ever received in ministry, was when I left Kansas City. Wow. To see that ministry still thriving
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, without me, you know, and to see it still going and 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 having more success, and not just numbers, but more people are getting trained up to do the work in the ministry. Uh, more young adults are being saved all across Kansas City. Um, more young adults are being more fully devoted followers of Christ, sanctified in their in their in their salvation. That is the biggest win. That's the biggest test of leadership. And so let it never be said about pastors, ministry leaders, where they leave their church and the church falls apart
3: wow. because
2: mm-hmm. it was created around one person. JP. Jonathan Pekluda, the person that basically started the porch um, with one hundred and fifty people and then grew it. Um, I, I was like, man, how's the porch doing? When I was in my interview process, he just left as I was coming in. And the biggest testament of his wow. leadership was it's still going, wow. it's still thriving. And he passed the baton to David Marvin, who's done an incredible job. And, uh, and so being able to stand on the shoulders of men like JP, uh, you know, and, and, and be able to lead uh, in, in his absence and still see this thing thriving is the test of true leadership. So let that be said about your leadership mm-hmm. because um, that's the that's one of the greatest things that could be said. I mean look at what Je- look what happened to Jesus when he left. <laughs> right? Yep. I mean Go he's got the biggest following out of anyone. <laughs> and so he's the greatest leader. So that's what I would say. Wow. That's good.
1: Well Josiah, <clears throat> depth and substance man. You gave mm-hmm. us and the listener mm-hmm. what we're looking for: is ways to practically reach the next generation in our world mm-hmm. today through equipping, through training, right. through not just preaching a message, but actually the word that comes to mind is follow through. And so we just want to say thanks for your life, your leadership, your uh, thanks that you're a Twins fan also, and uh, just for
2: pouring. <laughs> Go into Twins, us. man! Go <laughs> Twins! Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, thank you, Josiah. Thank you, Micah for having me it is truly an honor and a privilege to be on young adults today podcast so man have a great day and uh let's let's stay in touch
1: sounds amazing it. and if you're looking to find out more about the porch josiah jones young adults today you can connect with us on our website yes. as well as across the social media platforms at young adults today until next time josiah josiah and micah you signing off <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate and review this podcast.
1: Plug me in. I'm all wired up right now. Plug me
3: in. I'm getting up right now. Yeah.